Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. I hope you've had a good, good week. If you have your Bibles today, find Luke chapter 17 or on your favorite uh, device, whatever you, app you use to read your Bible with, Luke chapter 17. We are going to be continuing our series that we started a few weeks back called Overwhelmed, Controlling the Chaos. And I want to say how much I appreciate our praise team and all that they've done the last couple of weeks of uh, just kind of taking over the worship. It has been absolutely beautiful, phenomenal. And, you know, man, that's our prayer today, you know, is that we would just be desperate for Jesus because, you know, when you're overwhelmed, that's a, that's a great person to turn to is Jesus. That's what we've been talking about. I want to also thank you for all the kind comments and texts and emails and phone calls and other things about last week's uh, adventure, I would call it, in doing Mom's Day with my daughter Amber and her sharing about her stress and anxiety and the panic attacks that she suffered from and uh, just the encouragement it gave so many different people. So uh, thank you for that, and we just continue to pray that God uses that. Well, you know, these past few weeks we've learned a lot about this topic of being overwhelmed. And, you know, the first thing that we've learned is that we get this feeling when we feel like we can't control what's going on in our life because that's what we want to do is we want to have control of everything going on in our lives. But yet we've also learned that chaos is not a respecter of persons. You can be young, you can be old, you can be male, female, you can be married, you can be single, you know, all these different kind of scenarios. Chaos is not a respecter of per, uh, persons. We all have to deal with chaos in our life, and we all live busy lives. We, we've come to that conclusion, but we've also said that there is a very fine line between living a busy life and then living a life that ends up being an overwhelmed life. And so we've been talking about what that difference is, and we've learned that you know, living a life where you're constantly overwhelmed is not God's plan for your life. That's not what he wants. He, he wants us to live the abundant life. And so we've looked at several things that God says in his word about how we're supposed to deal with this chaos and so that we can, with his help, control it to the point where we're not in an overwhelmed state of living. As my daughter Amber shared last week, she said it's okay to not be okay. And we, st we talked about that stigma of anxiety and stress and kind of dealt with it. But let's face it, there, there's other things that cause us to feel overwhelmed other than just stress and anxiety, right? For some of us, it's our time. Our time or lack thereof is overwhelming because there's just sometimes it just doesn't seem like there's enough time to go around, right? And some, for some of us, it's our kids. You know, having our kids is overwhelming. You know, uh, you've got two kids and they're supposed to be two different places, uh, you know, 20 minutes ago, and it's 20 minutes apart from where they're supposed to be, right? And it's overwhelming, and, and then you forget to go back and get one of them, like I confess last week happened with Amber and I, not just once, but twice. But both times it was at the church. I didn't get into that, okay? I left her at the church. That's a good place to leave a child, at the church. I mean, people were good to keep her out of the street until I showed back up and she was crying and wanted to know why daddy left her. And I, I didn't leave you, I just, I had to do something. Because she was little, you know, you, you forget stuff. But kids can be overwhelming. And uh, your finances, sometimes your finances can 
be overwhelming. There's just more month than there is money, and every month you, you dread that coming around, right? It gets to be overwhelming. For some of us, it's our, our marriage. I mean, loving and caring is awesome. I mean, what marriage isn't supposed to be that way, but in your marriage, you'd just sell for one day without a big fight. That'd be a win, okay? And so your marriage sometimes is overwhelming for you. And then we're not even going to talk about the failure part, you know, where you feel like you're a constant failure all the time. And so you bless yourself by getting on social media to prove it to yourself, right? And, uh, you know, you, you, uh, your dinner last night was uh, a semi-warm um, cardboard pizza that got delivered to the house. And then after you finished dinner and you finally had a few minutes to rest or relax, you started blessing your heart by going through social media and all of your friends. All your friends' dinners, they look like something came out of Pinterest, you know? And they're stepping up, and we had this, and we had that, and you're going, I want to slap you, you know? You're not my friend anymore, all right? And you, you confirm that you are a failure as, as a whatever, you know? And so it all gets overwhelming at times, no matter what it might be. And, you know, when, when we're not okay because we're overwhelmed, God has been teaching us, in his word that there are some things to do and that is number one just like the song that the praise team learned and sung for us today we're to run to jesus we're to run to god man we're not supposed to just casually walk up like you know we don't have the right or the privilege you know because we, we've got that god's given us that we can run to god i mean as fast as we can go and we can rest in his promises and so we've been learning about that and so ever since last sunday i couldn't get that phrase that amber said out of my mind that it's okay to not be okay, but I also couldn't get out of my mind it's not God's will for your life to stay there. It's okay to not be okay. I believe that's 100% true, but that's not where God wants us to live. That's not His will for our life. And like Amber said last week, God's will is for us to trust Him, to run to Him, to rest in His promises. And there is where we find the freedom to live in the chaos where it doesn't control us, but we control it, and we're not overwhelmed. Because, see, Jesus wants us to live the abundant life. That is what His will for us is. Not the overwhelmed life, but the abundant life. And so I think that's what God wants us to learn today, that it truly is okay to not be okay, but He has a better plan for your life. Let's look at it together in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. It's a story that's familiar to maybe some of you. It's the story of the ten lepers. I mean, what great bedtime story does it that make for every young child, right? All right, so the ten lepers, Luke 17, verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So first of all, what I want us to do today is I want us to get some context in what goes on behind the story here. I think that will help us a little bit as we begin to apply the content to the chaos in our lives. So the, the, the context of the story is simply this. I understand why these guys 
uh, would be overwhelmed. If anybody would understand what being overwhelmed was, it would be these ten lepers. And if you ha have your bulletin, you're taking notes today, write this down. First of all, they were overwhelmed physically. They were overwhelmed physically. They had leprosy, right? Um, and in its truest form, leprosy is a bacterial disease that eats away at your nervous system, okay? And so what it does is you, you first of all begin to lose feeling in your extremities, like your... Um, your, your fingers and your toes, and, and, and I'm not a medical doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn once, so I, I'm, I'm okay to do this, all right? And so this disease continues to eat away, and you lose those feelings in your extremities. Then those extremities begin to swell, and the more they begin to swell, the more they be, begin to uh, become deformed while they're still on your body, right? And we're talking things like your fingers, your, your toes, your feet, your, your arms, uh, your nose, your ears, even your eyeballs, if you can imagine. All right, leprosy was a terrible disease, and so these extremities would all be uh, decomposing and dying and decaying while they were still attached to your body. So if you can imagine the smell of rotting flesh and you're walking around with all of that, it was a terrible, terrible disease. And back in the day when these ten lepers had it, it was an incurable disease, all right? There was no cure for it. It was a death sentence. And because it was contagious, they would send you away from everybody else. And so they had these colonies where people would live who had leprosy. And it was basically like a death camp. It was overwhelming for these 10 guys, at least from a physical standpoint. But I believe it was also from a relational standpoint. They were over, overwhelmed relationally because think about it. You know, we could go back to COVID a little bit and about the isolation and stuff. But, you know, if you had leprosy, you, you had to leave your family. You could never hug or kiss your husband again or your wife again. You could never kiss or hug your child again. <laughs> I just saw the new baby. <laughs> I don't know. Publix commercials do the same thing. I don't know. Anyway, you could never hug that sweet, precious gift again. I know it. Dylan, don't you start crying. We'll be in trouble. Parents. You can never hug that child again. That child, if you're a young child in here today, you can never hug your parents again or kiss them again. It was total isolation. It was terrible, terrible disease. They were also overwhelmed financially. You know, because they were cast out of the city, they couldn't work a normal job. They had to become beggars for food and for money to buy the things that they needed. They, they, they were overwhelmed financially. They were also overwhelmed, I think, spiritually. Because even if they wanted to go to the synagogue, they wanted to go to church with their family and friends, uh, they couldn't. Unlike COVID, it wasn't just for a month or two that they could not go to church and be with other people and, and gain that spiritual experience. Uh, it was for the rest of their life. They would never be able to go to church again. And that's why I think if anyone understood what it meant and what it felt like to be overwhelmed, it was these 10 lepers. And, and so I think it's important that we see how Jesus responded to them because he reminds us that he not only knows how we're feeling when we feel overwhelmed, but that he cares deeply when we get in that place. He cares very deeply when we're overwhelmed, whether it's relationally, spiritually, financially, or whatever it may be. He cares very deeply. So that's the context that we kind of find these 10 lepers in, is they understood what it meant to be overwhelmed. And maybe that's the context you find yourself here today. You find yourself overwhelmed relationally, um, maybe financially, you know, maybe physically. 
I, I don't know, but you, you, you're here today and you, you feel overwhelmed. Let's see what God teaches us to do when this chaos is so overwhelming because I think there's at least three things that we can learn from these lepers today, and it all boils down to choices, okay? It all boils down to making the right choices because we all make choices. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a, in a state of being overwhelmed, I don't make really good choices, okay? So the best time to make choices is maybe when the chaos is going on, not when it overwhelms you, okay? Because you're going to make a better choice when it's not so overwhelming. But just like Amber said last week, one of the choices she had to make was she had to come to the point where she realized she couldn't do it on her own. She had to turn it over to God. And so that's where these lepers are. They cannot do this on their own. They have an incurable disease. There's not an antibiotic that can fix this back then. Okay? They're going to die. It's incurable. No choice. No control over what's going on. That was the other thing is they had no control over this situation. And that's what Amber talked about was she had to learn to give control of her anxiety and her stress over to God, and not just a part of it, but all of it, 100% of it. And that's where these lepers are. They had to give 100% control over to Jesus because you know what? He was their last chance. But they still had to make the choice as to whether they were going to let Jesus walk on by or whether they were going to give in and cry out in mercy and say, you know, I can't do this on my own. I need some help here. And they call on Jesus. So everything that was going wrong in their life, and maybe everything that's going wrong in your life, these guys made the right choice, and I hope you'll make the right choice as well because it's the same choice that we all need to make. If you're taking notes, the first choice that we need to make is this. We need to choose to be in the best place. We need to choose to be in the best place. And the best place that we can be is where Jesus is going to be. Amen? The best place to be is where Jesus is going to be. And that's exactly where we need to be. And so we have to make this choice to be where Jesus is. And although they had been removed from the general population, they had heard about Jesus. They knew who he was because when he came into town, they hollered out his name. They said, Jesus! So they knew who Jesus was. They also had apparently heard that he could do miracles because they hollered out the term master. Master, which indicated they had heard about the miracles. And for these ten guys, a miracle was definitely what they needed. And so Jesus, as he was coming through their village, instead of just watching him pass on by and not getting involved in all the politics of the day, because you'll remember, uh, being on the Jesus movement at this time was not a popular thing. Matter of fact, it was a dangerous thing. It got Jesus put on the cross. And so they could have just ignored him, let him go on his way. But instead, they made the choice to call out to Jesus to have mercy on them. Because you know why? They were helpless. They were hopeless. And they were overwhelmed by the disease that they had. You know, this is the third time that we've seen somebody that was completely overwhelmed with what they had going on in their life. And everything was completely out of their control, yet when they cried out to Jesus for mercy, when they cried out to God for help every single time, God heard their cry and answered their prayer. And you know what? You may be here today and you find yourself helpless, hopeless, and overwhelmed. If so, if you cry out to Jesus, he'll hear you today as well. His word guarantees it. So I hope that you'll choose to be in the best place where God can help you and that you will cry out to him. Look at verse 14. He looked at them, talking about Jesus, and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed 
of their leprosy. See, according to Levitical law, if you go back to Leviticus 14, you can read all about that stuff. It's quite complicated. But according to the Levitical law, if you ever had a healing go on in your life, you had to have it verified by a priest. You couldn't just go around saying, you know, I had this and I was cleansed from it. You know, you had to have it verified by the priest. But what's unusual about this situation was Jesus tells them, to verify a miracle that hasn't even happened yet, right? And as far as we know, no one else ever even saw this miracle because it happened on the road to church to have it verified by the priest. So as far as we know, nobody ever saw it. Well, you know me. You know how I am sometimes when I'm reading Scripture, you know how my mind does sometimes, and I kind of go there, and I go to different places, and, and y'all have heard some of this before. So that's what happened when I was reading this story. I kind of put myself in their shoes, and I'm going, you know, what, what if this were me? What would I be thinking? What would I be doing? How would this scenario be playing out in my life? Because, you know, here I am. I've got this nasty disease. I'm dying. Jesus tells me that, you know, he can heal me. I've heard that he can heal me. Uh, I know for a fact that the only way I'm going to be able to rejoin society is if a miracle happens here and Jesus does perform a healing. And then I've got to have a priest to verify. But you know what? I hadn't done this a lot. I haven't had a lot of miracles happen in my life before. But And I'm thinking all this to myself, you know. And I'm thinking, I really don't know how this works, but I'm pretty sure that the miracle is supposed to happen first then you go get it verified, okay? But I'm trying to leave this leper's colony where I'm in isolation like COVID 2.0 or something, you know? Because if I leave this place, they're going to tell me I'm unclean. i got to go back. I can't just wander around the city. But Jesus tells me I'm to leave and go somewhere else to have a miracle verified that hadn't even happened. And so it was a step of faith, literally, that these 10 guys had to take in order for the miracle to happen. And that's the way it's going to be in your life maybe sometime. If you're feeling overwhelmed, sometimes you've got to take the first step. And you do your part and let God do his part, right? And so that's what's going on here, and it's all going through my head. And then it dawns on me, what I got to lose? I'm going to die here anyway. So what if somebody yells at me and tells me to go back to death camp? You know? I might as well give this thing a shot. And so I do. And so all of a sudden, I'm walking down the road, and all of a sudden, I start feeling something in my body. You know? And I start feeling the leprosy going away, and I start seeing my arms and my feet grow back because it's a lot easier to walk, you know, when you got feet, right? And so I'm thinking, see, I, I get weird sometimes. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, I need my feet. I need my feet if I'm going to walk to see the priest. And so, but I'm, I'm healed. I'm completely healed of all this stuff that's been going on in my body. And again, as far as we know, no one else saw this, right? Because it happened on the road with the other guys all together, all 10 of them together. And so we don't know exactly what happened, but it happened. Because we know that all ten of the, the guys who had leprosy were healed of their leprosy. And it's because they chose to be in the best place they could possibly be when Jesus came through that day. And so don't miss this. I think the best place for the lepers to be when they had leprosy was in the leprosy camp, isolated away from other people, right? But as I said before, Jesus don't want you to stay there. He don't want you to live in a leper's colony forever. He came along and he said, you know what? This is not going to be the best place for you forever because I'm fixing to do something life-changing for you and you're going to have a whole new life and a whole new way to live. And so Jesus sent them to church to go see the priest where they could verify God's work. God's work would bless the priest. God's work would bless all the people in the church. 
And then these guys would have a testimony, if you can imagine, that would go on the rest of their life that they would be able to tell. And it would be life-changing for other people because that's the way God works. And I believe he has miracles that go on every day. And so the best place for any person to be if they want to find spiritual healing, if they want to be in the presence of God's Holy Spirit, is to be at the place where Jesus is going to be. And that's going to be at church, folks. You just can't get around it. It's where we worship him, right? It's where we get encouragement from God. It's where we give encouragement to other people about what God is doing in our life and how he's changing our life for the better. It's the primary place where we serve other people, and it's the primary place where life change takes place. So the first thing to do if you're overwhelmed is to choose the best place to be, and that's in the presence of God, and that's at church. So for me... For me, you know, the, the best part of this miracle was not the miracle itself, but it was really the response to the miracle. That's the important part of the story. And so that's the second point that I want to make today because remember, it's all about choices. And that is number two, you need to choose the best perspective. Choose the best perspective because when it comes to controlling the chaos in your life and being overwhelmed, certainly perspective is kind of a big deal, right? It really is how you look at the situation that's going on. So I got permission from my friend, my best friend Jeff, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee, to share this story, and I hope that they're able to come share this story with you in person one day because it's, it's an absolute miracle. But almost two years ago, my best friend Jeff called me, and he and his wife, who had only been married for two years at that time, they got up like every other normal morning and uh, were going about doing their thing, and Jeff had gone in to get his coffee because, boy, got to have this coffee now. And I know some others like that, too. But he had to have his coffee. He got his coffee, came back in the living room, and his wife was laid out in the floor. He thought she'd passed out or fainted or something, but he went over and started checking on her, and she was totally out, totally unresponsive, was not breathing. And so he it ran through his mind because she had told him, if I'm going to see Jesus, don't you pull me back because I'll be mad at you forever. And so all this is going through his mind, but he said, I, I, I've got to call 911. I'm going to fight for her. And that's when the chaos began, folks, because Wendy, his wife, had had a brain aneurysm. And the average brain aneurysm is about three millimeters in length where the artery burst, right? Hers was 16 millimeters, five times the normal amount. And so the initial report was, you know, she's not going to survive this event. We're doing everything we can, but she's not going to survive, and if she does, she's going to have major, major, major deficits. And so the days of chaos turned into months. And um, over a period of time, Wendy had four major brain operations. She had 18 other different procedures. She was in the hospital for nearly six months total. And then they received in the mail a bill for $4 million just a little over that. And so needless to say, after the initial shot wore off, my best friend Jeff was totally overwhelmed. Physically, financially, emotionally, but he remained strong spiritually. And it was amazing to me. And Wendy not only survived this event, but she's able to function at a level that they never thought was possible. And even though she's not 100%, and there's still some days and nights that are pretty chaotic for their family. Um, Wendy is a living, breathing, walking, talking miracle. I'm telling you, folks. But it was overwhelming at the time. And 
I remember Jeff would call me almost every day. And there was a time, though, when things started taking a little bit of a turn for the better. And Wendy, for the first time, said my name over the phone, over the speakerphone. Nikki. I don't even know if she knew who I was, but she said my name. Well, now she'll call me up every now and then and talk for 10 minutes. And I said, Wendy, I got to go to work, you know? I mean, it's, it's crazy. She can talk your ear off now. And she can text. Jeff had to take the phone away from her sometimes. She can buy stuff <laughs> over the phone, you know. And I'm telling off on you, Wendy, girl. <laughs> she, she's watching this right now. I promise you they watch us every week. But you know what? Jeff would often tell me this as we talk. He kept on telling me, you know, the doctors are telling me to let her go. Don't keep trying to say it's, it's not, this is not going to be good. Jeff said, I'm not going to give up on her. I'm not going to do that. And so every day he'd tell you, he'd get up and he would pray. And he'd get over Wendy and he'd pray specifically for whatever she needed that day specifically. And he kept praying and he kept praying and asking God to heal her in those specific ways. And he'd tell you today that God heard his cry for mercy and God heard his cry for healing. And his wife lives today. And so as God began to heal Wendy's brain, you know what happened? She began to take on the same perspective. See, Jeff's perspective was, I'm not going to let her go. I'm going to do what I know to do, even though I'm spent. I'm overwhelmed physically, emotionally, and mentally, and every other kind of way. Spiritually, I know what I need to do, and I'm out of control here. I, I don't have any control over this. The doctors don't even know what they're doing. You know, totally out of control, but I can pray, and so I'm going to pray. And then Wendy, when she came around and her brain began to heal, and God began to answer that prayer, you know, they both took on the same perspective, and that is this. Neither one of us asked for this to happen to us, but it has. And so we know God's going to get some glory from it, and so God has been, God is doing that even today, and he's going to continue. I can't wait for them to come tell you in person one day. But when chaos tries to control our lives and overwhelm us, we too have to make a choice, folks. We have to choose what our perspective on the situation is is going to be. And that's what those ten lepers had to do. All ten had received a physical healing. You get that? Some people miss that. All ten of them got healed physically. They all had the exact same experience. They all had leprosy. They all cried out to Jesus in mercy. They all were sent to the priest. They were all healed as they went. But they didn't all have the same experience because they didn't have the same perspective. They had, I'm sorry, they did have the same experience, but they didn't have the same perspective. Right? And so how does that happen? Nine of the lepers looked at the healing experience and what they saw was that their cries for mercy had been heard. But what the one saw was that Jesus had heard their cry for mercy. The nine saw that they had been healed. The one saw that Jesus had healed them. The nine saw that Jesus had gave them exactly what they had asked for. The one saw that Jesus gave them more than he had asked for and even deserved. The nine saw that they had been restored back to their old way of life. The one saw that he had been restored back to a new life, a far better life than what the old one was. See, folks, that's perspective. How can ten people see the same go through the same experience, see the same things, and all come out with a different perspective about it. 
Well, it's because if you're taking notes, where you sit determines what you see. Where you sit determines what you see. Now, I don't know if many of you can relate to this. Maybe a few of you that are older, but I grew up in a sanctuary in my home church that had these load-bearing uh, pillars and columns in them, about, about at Pew 7, about at Pew 14 or whatever, you know, and they were spread out on both sides of the church. And so on a Sunday where you didn't want the preacher preaching at you, you could sit where you could hide behind that column and him not see you. Uh-huh, yeah, I did that. All right, yeah, yeah some of y'all know that too. Uh, and on good Sunday, though, you know, you can sit where you can see the preacher. You know, and you just smile. Yeah, give it to them, preacher. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to them this Sunday. Give it to them, you know. And I had, I've been at other churches that had these columns all around. And so where you sit determines what you see, right? In the same way like with sporting events and other things. Where you sit determines what you see. So let's, let's listen to what Isaiah has to say about this when we're talking about perspective, okay? Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. You know this verse. But think about it for a minute. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. <laughs> well, that's a lot right there. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. I mean, they're, they're not even close. Sometimes we think our thoughts are close to God. They're not even close. Says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. As weird as your imagination is, Mr. Nicky, when you're reading that Bible, your thoughts don't even come anywhere near mine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Perspective. See, if God's ways are not our ways, then we have to make a choice. Am I going to keep going at life my own way and trying to figure it out myself and trying to control the chaos? Or am I going to let my ways line up with God's ways? Because we've looked at how God's ways are about Dealing with the chaos, right? So we've got to change our way of going at it to align with his way. We have to choose the best perspective. And the best perspective to take when you're dealing with the chaos is to sit where you can see the perspective of God. What is God's perspective on the chaos that's going on in your life? Because it's not by accident. All right? Stuff's going on in your life. So what, what, it's not wise. What? What are you trying to show me here, God? What are you trying to do? And you get a perspective on it. Third and final thing is this. We choose the best priority. So we choose the best place. We choose the best perspective. But then we have to choose the best priorities because where you sit will determine what you see. But write this down. What you see will determine who you will be. What you, where you sit determines what you see. But what you see determines who you will be. That's how we go about determining how we live out our life is by our priorities, folks. All of us in here, we live our lives, and we all have priorities that we live them out by. It's just, that's the way it is. That's life. And so your priorities is going, are going to be a big deal when it comes to dealing with chaos in your life and, and not being overwhelmed. See, most of the problems people struggle with here today, you don't have a, you don't have a uh, financial problem. Okay? You think you do, but that's really not the problem. Okay? And you really don't have a time problem. We've all got 24 hours a day. So you don't have a time problem. You don't have a relationship problem, even though you think you do. Okay? Those really aren't your problems. Your problem is a priority problem. The same one that the 10 lepers that were healed that day had. They all had a priority problem. See, they cared more about having their healing verified so that they could move on with their life than to even take time to thank the one who had 
healed them. See? See the difference? It's a priority thing. And so brace up. Are you braced up? How many times in our life has God blessed us? And then we would just go and get our priorities all out of line. And we would just move on with our lives, doing our own thing, never taking time to thank God for the blessings that he gave us. We've all been guilty of that, right? And so if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, you have to take inventory. Is that what's going on in my life now? Maybe God has been blessing me and I've been missing it, okay? And I need to take time. I need to change my priorities to go back and thank God for what he has done for me. And if you think Jesus isn't paying attention to your personal response to the chaos in your life, you're only fooling yourself because he is paying very close attention. And I don't know how far these guys got down the road. I really don't. The Bible doesn't say, you know, they might have got a few hundred yards down the road when the healing started. Or they might have been several miles down the road before the healing started. The Bible doesn't say, I don't know. But this, this one guy, it didn't matter to him. The one guy who came back, it didn't matter. His perspective, his priorities brought him back to the best place he could possibly be. And that was at the feet of Jesus. And, you know, in my mind, it's like that song that we sang today. You know, running back to God. Running back to Jesus. I can see this one coming to Jesus. It said that he was shouting. So I don't see him kind of, you know, moping along like some of our softball players do to first base. Yeah, snuck that in there, didn't I? No, they hustle. But I can't, see, I can't see this one coming back that had been healed just casually walking up and then shouting, praise God! Woo! Man, I had a healing. No, I think he came running back the whole time. I think he came running back the whole time because, see, that's what God wants. He's given us that privilege to do that. When we're feeling overwhelmed, folks, we don't have to come crawling up to Jesus like some, you know, beat up something that doesn't deserve the love of God. We can come running up to Jesus, jump in his big old lap and in his big old arms like my grandkids have been trying to do all weekend, you know, warm me out. But that's what they want to do, and that's what we ought to want to do is we ought to just want to come running to God. But we feel so ashamed, right? We feel so bad sometimes that we, we kind of resist doing that. Well, don't. Just come running back to God. He's waiting on you with open arms. He loves you. He wants you to make him your priority. He loves you more than anything. Make him your priority. Because, see, it's there at the feet of Jesus that this guy received something that the other nine missed out on. And I don't know if you've missed it or not, but it's a spiritual healing. All ten of them were healed physically, but only the one got a spiritual healing. The other nine missed the life-changing moment because they didn't come back. And so Jesus asked, hey, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? And so you know me, I got to thinking, I got to think, where, where are the other nine? We got a bunch of nines out there running around, and I got to wondering where they are. But then I also got to think, you know, I'm thankful for the ones that we have that are here today. I'm thankful for the ones that were here last week. And I'm thankful for the ones that are going to be here next week. Right? I'm thankful. And then I thought, well, at least I hope some of the nines out there at least hear this message. That wouldn't be bad. And then it hit me. Most of the ones out there that are nines used to be ones. They used to be the one who chose the best place to be because they knew church and Jesus was a life-changing factor in their life. 
They were the ones who chose the best perspective. You know, life with God is a lot better than life without God. And they were the ones who chose the best priorities. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all the other things will come into place. And so my encouragement to you today is if you're feeling overwhelmed, controlled by the chaos in your life, make the right choices. And the first one you made today that was right was to be here, to be in the best place you could be, and that's in the presence of God, hearing the word of God, and now obeying the word of God. And so I challenge you to continue to be the one not only today, but in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. Because you know what? I truly believe Jesus has a life-changing moment for every single one of you. Every single one of you. And so make sure that you don't miss it. Don't miss it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that, Lord, you have given us hope where there's hopelessness. You have given us encouragement when we are discouraged. You have shown us that if we will take a step in the right direction, Lord, that you can do great things in our life. And so, God, we step out today not in our own strength, not in our own power, but in faith. Faith that you have the strength and the power to do anything and everything through us that you want to do. Lord, not only do you want to change our lives, but you want us to make a life-changing difference in somebody else's life. But it begins with that first moment, that first step. And so, God, for that person here today who's struggling, who came in overwhelmed, I just pray they would make, make the first step today to turn their life entirely over to you. Not most of it, not 99%, but 100%. Give their all to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be over here to the side if you'd like to talk more about giving your life to Christ or if you like to talk more about a decision that you're making or need to make, I'll be over here. I'll be glad to talk with you, pray with you. And I'm just excited about what God is doing in our church and what God is doing in your life again. Thank you for all the calls and the text and the encouragement. Uh, the testimonies are unbelievable about what God is doing. Just uh, pray that you continue to share all that with everybody out there. And I hope that you'll be back, bring somebody with you next week. We're going to talk about, if we finish up this series, how to move from being overwhelmed to being an overcomer because that's what Jesus has called us to do. Let's all stand together as we celebrate this morning and we sing together. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.